While you're listening to Parked Up, Racetools is getting ready for the Phillip Island Island Classic Historic Round. We have so much fuel going down with staff and bowsers to attend this classic historic event. See you down there at the racetrack and keep an eye out for the Elf Race 102. Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hi there, this is the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by our great friends at Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley. I've got Tony Delberto right on the line here like we do have every single week. Tony D, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Is, uh, is probably more the question. I'd I don't know. I, I'm good. I don't, don't know why, actually. But um, <laughs> I, I actually never probably ask you how you are. So that's right. It's all about you. It's all, it's all about, about you. me. Yeah, it, it is a little bit. When I listen back to some of the episodes, I'm like, I didn't even ask Grant a question the whole time. <laughs> anyway, so how are you? Good, thank you. No problem. Uh, okay, feeling, moving on. Feel... <laughs> Damn it! Just about to tell you, I was feeling strong. Gone for a bit of a run in the park today. Just feeling Did good. Yeah. Who were you it? running away from? I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't have to run away from anyone. I would have loved to have run away from my kids for a, on a couple of those occasions <laughs> while they were sooking at me for being at the park for too long because oh, it, was, it was fun being there kicking the ball, but they got sick of uh, kicking the ball. So Generally, um, kids never want to go home. Mm, yep. Oh, well. My kids are currently cracking the sads because they want to go somewhere. There you so, go. I've yeah. worn I've worn my lot out. Anyway, uh, what's uh, what's happening? What's happening in the motor racing world, Tony D? You can smell it. We're getting real close to the start of the Supercars Championship. Of course, uh, you've already got a couple of trophies for 2022 stuck in the back. You don't need to do any more for um, <laughs> for this year. But um, you, but with the the excitement and the uh, hype and the build up to this year's Supercars Championship is is not too far away, two weeks away, in fact. So uh, can you smell it? Yeah, very, very excited. And as we mentioned last on last week's pod, um, we're about to see a lot more liveries. And this week did not disappoint. We've, we've seen quite a few, which we'll cover in the news, not only in Supercars, but also in Formula One as well. And I've got to say, and I will ask you this question, Grant, but I'll just answer to start with. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the new F1 cars mm. i reckon they look awesome yeah what do you think well look i think they look good i'm definitely not uh, anyone who's listened to uh 97 96 episodes of this thing will know that i'm not technical but uh, i kind of had a little fear entering the the f1 season that these cars would look you know radically different and they might mm. not look like a a traditional formula one car but but they they do they're they're different but similar they certainly sit really really low maybe don't have the presence that their predecessors had had maybe that's my little takeout mm. however they're all very very neat and you know what if they can come up with some great racing the type of racing that we saw last year's season end with if it's better than that then geez we're in for a treat well i don't know if we've anyone's really done any laps in anger just yet more just shaking off the cobwebs and um, settling, settling in a new car. Um, but I'd be interested to, to know what sort of lap times they're pumping out compared to the previous generation car. Because you know, with less aero, you expect them not to be quite as quick. But who knows? These guys are pretty clever. I'm sure they're going to find their way around these new rules and somehow produce less downforce but more lap time 
in some way, shape, or form. So who we'll cares? see. Who cares? I don't care if they're ten seconds a lap slower. If the true, entertainment true. value is there, then you're just not going to notice it. No, but they they did the the pinnacle. You know, like you want to see them quicker than any other category in the world. You right. know, you want to watch them from the sideline and just go, "Holy hell, that was that was amazing." I remember the first time I watched a Formula One car at Mel- the Melbourne Grand Prix. This is when you had the big V8s or V12s or V10s, whatever they were. V10s, yeah. V10s. And you could hear the thing coming like from the other side of the lake and it was just it was such an incredible experience. And then when they finally blaze past, you're like, holy hell, that was so mm. exciting. Mm. Um, you know, they lack some of the sound now, but when you watch them corner, um, it's incredible. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. So hopefully they haven't lost some of that sort of factor. Jeez, it feels like an age since Formula One was last in Melbourne. It was actually mm. 2019 was the last wow. time that they actually raced here. Of course, they all got here for 2020, but COVID struck. So uh, kind of, yeah, really looking forward to getting back to the Grand Prix. It's a bit later this year. It's in April and we don't get to be the first round, which we typically have been more often than not in the past, yeah, 25 years. Embarrassingly, it's 25 years or something like that, that Melbourne's had a Grand Prix. So yeah, looking forward to having them back. When when uh, I first moved to Melbourne, it was 2003 and the cars were uh, at that V10 peak, you know, and they had did those amazing sounds. I lived in Hampton and you could hear the cars on track mm. while I was at home. And that's a good 20 odd kilometers or 15 odd kilometers away from the circuit. So uh, just uh, incredible sound that they used to make. They're, they've obviously gone with a different uh, different style of engine and, uh, mm. you know, it produces its sound and power in a different way. So um, that, uh, that that is not going to change in this new generation, but that that's the reason why, I don't know, I was so in love with the sport was that, yeah. uh, was that great sound. So if we can't have the sound, let's make sure that the on-track racing is good. As you say, the cars look good, so uh, looking forward to getting into that, looking forward to getting into supercars and a whole bunch of other stuff in the 2022 season. Tony D, before the news, have you got anything else that you want to uh, waste anyone else's time with? Well, we've got to announce our special guest for today, James Taylor. Everyone knows James Taylor, don't they? (laughs) Household name, right? Does anyone know James Taylor? Um, James Taylor is going to join us today on the pod. And we thought we would get James because he has taken over the role as race director. So he's taken over from Tim Schenken. And considering all the, which we'll go into the news and we'll talk about, all the Michael Massey news, who is an Aussie, who is the race director of Formula One, he's been dumped during the week in the wake of what happened at Abu Dhabi. We thought, Let's get our newest race director in Australia, James Taylor, on board today. Talk to him about what a race director actually does and what his thoughts are on the whole Massey incident. Mm, Very interesting. Very interesting. Tony, you actually came up with this uh, great idea to get James. But you do have a a relationship with him from the past. Tell us about Mm. that. Well, James has always been uh, on the safety side of things. And when I say the safety side, um, when we used to do driver training events, he would have his own little safety crew with Marty Doxy. So I used to do a lot of that work. So I'd see him a lot at the racetrack. He's he's come a long way from those days to now being the director of the Bathurst 12 hour for many years. Um, And he's also been, you know, 
built, making his way up um, the ladder in terms of working underneath Tim Schenken, uh, alongside Craig Baird in the supercar world. And now, finally, Tim's going to uh, step aside, and I think they've got the absolutely best candidate for the job. He's got so much experience, and uh, he knows the, the motor racing scene out, um, inside and out. So looking forward to how he handles the position. I mean, it's very different when you're sitting beside somebody that's making the call and supporting them to then suddenly being the guy that everyone looks to for the decision. So, um, yeah, let's check in with him and see what he thinks. But before we do that, let's go to the news. Okay, here it is. This is the news that's brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. Tony D, we've had uh, lots go on. We've uh, we've kind of got a little bit of an F1 feel going on to start this. And uh, as you just said, we're going to speak to uh, James Taylor very soon. And but the, and, and he's the race director for the Repco Supercars Championship. But the race director that is on everyone's lips is Michael Massey. Of course, there was the uh, ginormous tear-up that happened at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that uh, captured the attention of the world. And the news stories and the headlines and the conversation that's happened in the wake of that, where Max Verstappen won the world title and Lewis Hamilton did not, has uh, been a hot topic in motorsports all around the world. And ultimately, we've come to see Michael Massey lose his position as race director. He's been offered a role at the FIA, which he hasn't uh, taken yet or accepted. In fact, we haven't even heard from Michael Massey, not in any way, shape or form, not in interviews, not on social media. He's doing a Lewis. He's, he's gone <laughs> He's gone to ground. Uh, what's What's your take on the situation? It's obviously disappointing uh, for Michael. It's very disappointing. I, I feel like he's almost the fall guy for the FIA in, in this um, situation. Huge amount of pressure, I can imagine, from the teams, uh, you know, especially Mercedes and and well, more Mercedes than anybody because they'd be the ones uh, whinging the most. Um, but I think it, it it almost, like to get rid of somebody, for me, seems like there's been there was a problem, you know, like there were, the decision wasn't correct that was made because if it was, why would they be getting rid of somebody? So does that mean the whole thing needs to be revisited? I mean, I probably won't now, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're getting rid of somebody because um, obviously a mistake's been made or it wasn't handled correctly, but they're still standing by the decision of the, who the race winner was. Doesn't quite add up. Mm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I guess they've uh, not only removed Michael from that position, but brought in an entirely new philosophy behind how they'll do it with uh, people who work remotely on mm-hmm. um, on helping with decisions. So instead of having one person effectively, I know Michael didn't do it all himself. He had a he had a team, and he would. But that's the thing, de- though. Deputies. Now they've got a a completely new structure, which is even more evidence that they realized that it wasn't right that's right so yeah so and it's just a shame that it ended up and look we i probably we all all australians probably feel a little bit Mm. close to this because we've we've uh, certainly anyone who's been working in the industry he's been operating down this way for for many years before getting that huge promotion to replace Charlie Whiting at uh, uh, in in awful circumstances at the Australian Grand Prix 
when Charlie Whiting unfortunately uh, succumbed to a, a sudden a heart attack that uh, took his life. Uh, and that was a um, that, See, and Michael was thrown into that role. So uh, and and I just felt that Michael had done an an amazing job in light of all those circumstances of how he came in. Uh, mm. And I guess that he was always being groomed by the FIA for that role one day, but it actually came upon him, you know, reason, reasonably quick. The thing is, like they're 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 making all these changes to the structure. Um, so to me, that sort of says that, well, potentially Michael wasn't the reason or didn't make the mistake on the call. So I think a better thing to do would be to make these changes to the structure, give him another chance. If he's still inconsistent or not doing the right thing or the teams are unhappy, fair enough. But they've admitted that the structure wasn't right or the way it, you know, it all played out, it, it, um, you know, didn't go down correctly where the teams could actually contact the race director and influence his decision and all these sorts of things. Like for me, that was, you know, I don't know who came up with that concept, but that's just completely wrong. Like, yeah, you know, it it would have put so much pressure and um, he he wouldn't be able to make a decision correctly with all those influences in his ear at the time. I mean, everyone's going to push their own own way and uh, try and get it in favor of their team. And that's just not on. He should be evaluating the decision or an incident um, based on the facts that he has and um, I suppose the guidelines that he runs by, but he was being influenced by other people. So get rid of that, change a few things, support him in a different way, and then see how he handles the whole thing. So if they just replaced him and nothing else, then you go, okay, well, obviously they're not happy with the job that he's doing, Hmm. but it's quite a big overhaul. So, you know, I feel like he's, he's been thrown under the bus a little bit. And, you know, it does seem uh, coincidental that Lewis has now showed his head and we're going racing again. And, we're, you know, he, he was off the radar for a long time, off the grid, I should say, you know, not saying anything. And then suddenly Massey gets the ass and he's back, mm. you know. So who knows? Who really knows what plays goes on and, in the background? Uh- and look, we might uh, we might find out one day. Of course, we both know Michael very well, and of course, he'll give parked up the world exclusive first chat. You can only imagine, right? Do you know what? My dad rang him and spoke to him. <laughs> well, really? What? Just in yeah. the last few days? Yeah, he rang him after it had been announced. He I haven't spoken to him about it, but yeah, he, he said that he'd called him. I'm like, what? <laughs> Did he answer? Yeah, he answered. Yeah. No. So maybe we should get my dad on the pod. We'll try to again. We've tried a few times, but technology seems to um, get in the way. No, that's cool. So look, what I I guess uh, the thing that I'm most interested in is what happens to Michael from here. He's an amazing human being, first and foremost. And I felt that he had done a a terrific job in that role. And I guess Abu Dhabi really exposed how heavy, how taxing uh, that role can actually be. And of course, a Formula One title on the line that is that is maximum pressure pressure. but but maximum pressure at you know round 16 of the the championship as well don't think that it all just boils down to one big you know what we haven't seen this for many many years so he's under the pump big time and basically his first or second year as you know uh, race director and the championship goes down to the wire goes down to the last lap decision 
Like Charlie Whiting hasn't had that for. That's right. Lewis used to win with like seven rounds to spare. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So there's no, like if he didn't make the, a call that was perfect, no one really would care because it didn't really affect the outcome of the championship. But this, this situation here did. Yeah. Like the poor bloke. Far okay. out. I, I wouldn't want that pressure. Well, no, that's right. At least he's he's got your father though to uh, yeah. rest rest an ear on. So that's consoling. Uh, what about what happens next? What does he do? I hear a whisper that he's coming back mm. to Australia, and he's been offered a role at the FIA, but might not take it. Maybe because he feels like you know they didn't really have his back on this one. Now that would for me make a little bit of uh, make a bit of sense, but you know, absolute waste if he's not involved at that level of authority mm. in the sport at all. So uh, maybe when we catch up with James soon, maybe he should think that his job's at risk. Because <laughs> oh, we should ask him that. Massey's going to come back and uh, t- take his job. We should ask him that. But anyway, we can talk about that more with James. Hey, there was, there has been a lot of um, Formula One liveries revealed this week. And yep. I've got to say, i got to say, mate, this has been favorite? some absolute crackers. Oh, mm-hmm. Probably Aston Martin or Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari looks so good. So good. Yeah. yeah I don't know if it's, it's the, the design of the nose coming down a little bit or something. It looks a bit old school retro-y. Yeah. Um, just really, really nice. I like it. What's so yours? Uh, look, I like that Mercedes has gone back to the silver. Silver, yeah, their, true. Their yep. silver arrows. I think that's uh, that's kind of kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alpha Tori kind of looks okay. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I do like the big bright colors. So Ferrari is definitely the winner at this point. <laughs> and um, actually, anytime I've mentioned uh, some of the big feedback that we get on mm. the Parked Up podcast, and you can find us on social media channels, uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can um, uh, send a tweet to me and Tony personally as well. But one of the big feedbacks that I get is any time that I bring up uh, gambling, uh, like you know sports betting, mm. um, it it uh, resonates not very well. And there's a couple of people who said if you guys talk about uh, sports betting odds and things, then I'm I'm not listening anymore. And and that's fine. I, I completely what. But I, uh, I don't mind yeah. having a very, very minor dabble in some, uh, in some sports betting. And there were some very, very tasty odds for both of the Ferrari drivers mm. at, the end of, at the end of last year. So our learned listeners might remember that I'd stuck my cash on Max Verstappen and he was paying like 10 bucks for the world title. Lewis was $1.09 or something ridiculous and Max was second best. So I'd, uh, I'd put my hard-earned on... On Max, you, you put about fifteen bucks on it, not even. Oh, that's this is. I'm I'm a journalist. I'm a media dude. Like you, we don't earn a lot of money, Tony. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you, I need to be conservative with this. I've got okay. uh, I've got kids to feed. Like, but you know anyway. how much a tin of baked beans is these days. <laughs> um, so I've got I've got my cash this year on Charles Leclerc and on Carlos Sainz. So um, to win the championship. To win the championship. So, hey, look, new regulations, if these things roll out the gate. Well, that, that's what I was sort of getting at before. Like, we haven't got a form guide whatsoever just yet. Yeah. Well, and, and let me just let me just say, if, if one of those two guys do win, it's not like I'm about to put an extension on my house. Like, it, it might buy us yeah. a, a couple, of, uh, a couple you, of beers at the pub. 
Do you have to put like a disclaimer here, you know, gamble responsibly for these listeners that are upset with us? No, we don't because okay. we're not, I'm not promoting any particular. Exactly. Um, exactly. Brand. So just chill out guys. Chill out. <laughs> it's just for, it's just for the lols. It's just for fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so the formula one liveries, they're coming in. And I guess we're not too mm. far away from that, uh, that season starting talking about favorites then who do you reckon is going to win? Is it, a, is it, a, is it a max? Is it, is it Lewis? I saw some, pretty aggressive comments from Lewis saying mm. that if, if you thought I was, uh, if you thought you saw my best at Abu Dhabi, where he had uh, really done, you know, led effectively mm. every lap of the race, except that, that main one you need to lead right at the very end. If you thought you've seen my best, then you haven't seen anything yet. What do you reckon? Game, gamesmanship or is he, is he super confident? I'm not sure. He probably knows more than, we know of um, performance or well, a guide of performance. Well, can you get your dad to call him then? Uh, yeah, I'll get dad to give him a buzz. <laughs> He's probably got his number. Um, I would love it if Lewis could just wrap up this eighth title. That's that's what I would love. And I think that he will have um, a lot of determination to, to do that, probably more than ever, you know, like he's just lost the title um and and the way that it went down so but then on the other side you know max will have this confidence now that he can win a world championship so that's only going to breed a bit more confidence i don't know we we saw last year those two guys out the front of the field by a bloody country mile mm. country mile so yeah. especially as the season wore on as well when it became mm. very clear that it was only two guys fighting for the title it was like they were in their own race and everyone it else was. had, had uh, hired billy carts for the weekend it was i'll be interested to see how george russell goes i think you know he's obviously very exciting and he's um young talented driver and very hungry to make his mark so we'll see uh, you know like we've already seen how sergio goes against max so i wouldn't think that he was going to be a threat to to the championship um he's going to be a contender no doubt Yep. But I think George can probably take it to uh, Lewis on a speed basis. I don't know whether he can do it over a full year. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Until the cars roll out, we just don't know who's going to be quick and um, who's going to be one to watch. Mm. Oh, well, very exciting. It certainly uh, was one of the, if not the most exciting Formula One the networks the the netflix um drive to survive kicks off very soon mm. can they very start soon. at the end though and work their way back through the 2021 <laughs> season the the first se the first episode oh like it'll, it'll be do they so hang on when they put those out do they just mm. dump here's every see every episode or do they drip feed them one one at a one per no week? they i'm pretty sure they dump them Oh, so no one's going to watch the first 10 episodes. You get through it. To... You get through it about two nights. And it's like, oh, now I've got to wait in a whole year for the next one. Right. Anyway, I'm excited. I want to see it. Cool. Um, all right, let's move on to some supercar news and some more liveries. Just yeah, liveries it's, everywhere. It's colours. It's just colours, isn't it? It's colours and it noise. Because we, we did speak last week about W-A-U-R. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Offshore Andretti United Racing. Well, I don't and think they use racing. It's just WAU. Oh, no WAU. Nah, well, no, nah, they do use R for sure. Um, okay. No, they do. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I know because I've mentioned on this pod before how we paint their bumpers. Oh, yes. And it's WAUR. So, right. Anyway, WAU have released their liveries uh, this week and we spoke about the sponsors going on the side of the car. So we got NTI on Percat's car. Yep. And we've got 
Optus. Yes. On Chaz's car. Mm-hmm. I reckon they look good. I reckon they, they look strong. Yeah. Oh, look, I think that's certainly, in terms of what they're going to do on the track, it's going to be one of the st- strongest partnerships that we're, we're likely to see. Uh, mm. You know, potentially even stronger than, let's say, Triple uh, Eight, who are coming off the back of a championship for Shane Van Gisbergen. <clears throat> He's going to be ridiculously strong. And yeah. for me, should win the title and should very much be the favourite. I won't be wasting my money on him on the sporting mm. bets because I'm sure his odds are going to be ridiculous. No, that's low. right. That's right. But, but Feeney's but, got a tough task. Well, that's right. But uh, look, there's no doubting that he could jag some extremely strong results. But mm-hmm. uh, Nick Perkett has a point to prove. He's been yep. he's been the king of the kids at BJR for many many years and done some extremely oh, good things. But smoked him. He's only ever uh, only ever been compared to rookies. He's only ever mm-hmm. been compared to guys who, you know, might be might be there because they can afford to be there rather than there because they're. Um, Are you saying they're not as talented? I'm, that's what I'm, is that exactly, what you're saying? Exactly what I'm saying. Oh my god! Okay, it's, that's rude. That's very never, rude. It's never happened in motorsport before. No, so never happened. Sh- but sh- um, shocking. No, revelation. but I think you know what I think you're um, discrediting uh, Nick there a little bit. He hasn't just been up against the the guys that aren't quite, you know, the quickest blokes out there. No, he's been top five. Uh, top, that's right. So can, like there's been a clear gap between him and his teammates. So that's right. You you would expect once he gets his head around this new car and their setup philosophy, whatever, <clears throat> he'll be giving Chaz you know, a very good run for his money. Yep, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. So they're obviously got a lot of confidence coming off the Bathurst win. They're going to be quick. You know, are, are they going to have the consistency? We're yet to sort of know, but um, they're definitely going to be one to watch. Um, but livery-wise, I reckon it's one of their better ones. I reckon the mobile on the bonnet, and it's quite cool on the side. I like how they've done, like, the stripes and bits and pieces. Yeah, it's got a, there's, it's there's actually a lot going on, and you don't sort of see Notice a lot it, of that. Yeah. You don't see a lot of that in current liveries where you've got, you know, um, little fine detail. Let's mm. uh, like you have a look at the Red Bull liveries. It's very uh, blocks, blocks of colours, logos, mm. and blocks of colours, which is typically like even um, your your mates at Shell V Power. It's mm-hmm. just big blocks of colours, not yep. finite detail, which um, was a big part of uh, liveries for for many years in the certainly noughties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2010s, but now I think everyone's kind of gone back to big blocks. You know, it's it's red here and it's white here and it's blue here, or whatever the case might be. Um, where this livery has some intricate little little detail. Uh, I don't I don't know if I'm like the biggest fan of it. I don't think it's going to be the best looking cars, but it's certainly unique. And I like how they've sort of blended in two different. Uh, major partners for the side a consistent look with mobile running up through the bonnet and that's like a really iconic uh, partnership that that team has whether they were known as the Holden Racing Team uh, whether they've been known as WAU whether they've been known as WAUR you know whatever (laughs) you want to call them Uh, that's uh, that's really cool and I think they're celebrating their 25th year in cahoots as well so that uh, all started back when Peter Brock uh, stopped running his own team and rejoined the factory uh, back in 1994. So uh, that's not 20, 
that's not 25 years. That's Jeez. more than 25 years. But um, yeah. whatever, whatever the case, uh, mm. a, a, a relationship that has stood the test of time and and mobile on those uh, cars is, uh, is is something that um, uh, gets fans excited and um, touches on a little bit of history and also um, you know they've they've enjoyed a lot of success. Uh, most recently at that little race called the Bathurst 1000 where they won yep. Jazz Mostert and Lee Holdsworth. Um, okay, what other liveries we saw? We saw the, um, so NTI on Nick Perkett's car, but then one of their sister brands, Truck Assist, on two cars at Matchstone Racing for Todd Hazelwood, who used to drive for that team, and Jack LeBrock, who is switching over from a couple of years at Tickford. Uh, this is the strongest outfit that Matchstone has ever put on the supercars grid without a doubt those guys are seasoned campaigners in supercars these days um todd and, and jack and very good steerers um it'll just you know see it'd be interesting to see whether they've got the team behind them to actually back them up it's a very very competitive championship and you know you, you've got to have everything going for you to try and make a mark in it so um, spoken, those guys spoken like a true race driver Wow, it's true though. It's very true, and you know, not to discredit them at all, because I think Matt Stone Racing they they do punch above their weight, yeah, you know, a lot. We see them in the top ten shootout. We see them snag race results, but it's just trying to get that consistency. And they have had some young drivers in there um, in the past, and and Todd's been there when it was in its sort of infant stages in supercars, and gone away, seen how to how a, a bigger team runs. And now he's come back and, and um, you know, the team will be stronger. He's obviously got a lot more experience as well. So they should hit the ground running fairly well, but it will be interesting to see how quick they are compared to, you know, some of the big teams in, in pit lane. Okay. We did, uh, we did see them test um, last week at Queensland Raceway. All the Queensland teams got out there and shook the cobwebs off. Uh, I did speak with the DJR boys and apparently the track was super fast, like really, really, really quick. They were, they were basically setting purples every, every session. So when the track's like that, sometimes it's actually not that valuable as a test day because the car doesn't misbehave at all. You know, it's so gripped up um, and you sort of get a bit of a false read. So I don't know whether they got a lot out of the test day uh, other than well, get they- their drivers prepped for the season and the team as well so uh okay so that's uh, matt stone racing and we talked about what their chances are what do you think of the look of their cars two cars that look absolutely ah, identical they do look good i think they're busy um but they will stand out on track and they got some they got some cool cool uh, sponsors on there and like recognizable brands so i think it, it does look very professional mm-hmm. um yeah i think they've they've rolled out a very nice livery what do you think yeah, I don't mind them, but I do love that two car, two cars looking exactly the same. Very um, old school, typical way that we used to see motorsport. You know, it's the thing that is absolutely mandated in a sport like uh, or a category like Formula One. They're not allowed to go. Well, this car can have that sponsor and and that color, and this car can have that. They um, completely forbid that. Yeah. Uh, so that's um, I kind of like that about um, about Formula One, where you know you've just got all these two car teams. Supercars has just by nature of the expense of the whole thing and the you know drivers with different backers that race for for similar teams, they they just can't do that. So to see another good 
identical two car team is mm. uh, is awesome. And we've got like I guess quite a few of those now with Red Bull and Shell V Power. The Penrite guys released their stuff recently, which is a two cars as well. You know, even though the Walkinshaw guys are slightly different, they've got similar themes, so you know that they're connected in in mm. some ways. So. Um, yeah, we're seeing some uh, good-looking cars come out. We haven't seen all of them. Who else are we waiting for? Look, I think I think by the time this pod drops on Tuesday, uh, which is the actual test day for the Vic teams, we probably will have seen oh, everyone else. So all your Tickford liveries, the Erebus cars as well. I know they've, they've shown a little sneaky sort of snippet of the front bar or the front corner. Yeah, so you, you, all the BJR cars. Actually, we saw Heimgardner's car get released with RJ batteries on the side. That looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we haven't seen everybody. But by the time that test day hits on Tuesday when this pod uh, drops, you probably will have seen everybody. So, yeah, we'll know more then. Um, I see uh, Premier Racing is going to launch mm-hmm. its cars at a on the Gold Coast okay. at, the, uh, at the home of the I reckon, Gold Coast I reckon. Titans. Is going to be Premier Hire on one and Coca-Cola on the other one. Good guess, Tony D. Who do you think? Yeah. Having an absolute stab at it there, but I reckon <laughs> you've, uh, you have p- quite possibly nailed it. You've okay. quite possibly nailed it. Uh, hey, okay. uh, there what was, else? Uh, yep. I think that's probably it for Supercar Land, but okay. uh, IndyCar hit the track. Scotty Mack um, back testing in the IndyCar ahead of the first round at St. Pete in, a, I think, two weeks, I think it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, so only one test day, one day in the car before they get back racing again, which is not really a lot of mileage, I don't reckon. Um, but they did test at the end of last year. So um, as soon as the season finished, they they got into testing before Christmas. Um, so this is, again, just another little shakedown. Um, will be very interesting to see how he, he kicks his season off. I, I can't sort of wait to see how he's developed and you know just one more year on he's been to all the tracks now he's hopefully very confident in the car so we'll we'll soon see but he was quite quick in the test day i think he was about eighth or ninth on the time sheets but again very difficult to know i don't know if it's a form guide but he was definitely in the mix Mm. oh well and you'll be able to watch all of that on Stan Stan Sport <laughs> now this is not a paid promotion but of course the uh, the TCR and this new speed series is all on have you had a chance to go back and relive your glorious podiums and watch no. your, the Stan Sport coverage no 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 I haven't but I've had very good feedback from my friends at Honda they thought the coverage was very good commentators are very professional and it came across really well so um, that's a good start because you know what they did have a pretty tricky Sunday uh, with all those safety cars uh, the race stoppage they sort of had to fill time mm-hmm. not not an easy thing to do when when cars you're there to um, capture racing and the cars are in pit lane waiting for the track to get um, fixed so not ideal but I thought they handled it very good very good yeah, not too bad. And a few new commentators coming through as well. Certainly Greg Rust will be back for Phillip Island. That's not too far away, is it? That's uh, mid-March. So yep. we'll, uh, we'll be seeing that soon. And I reckon there'll be there's probably a fair chance there'll be uh, even more. Who knows? Andrew Jansen, and uh, he, he always loves to throw in some he does. Uh, extra, and he's extra a things. Big listener of the pod. So uh, g'day, AJ. I know you're listening. <laughs> All right, let's go to our feature chat today with James Taylor, race director of the Repco Supercar Series. 
great, awesome lead-in. I mean, I probably would have just used a couple of extra words to, I know you to would. build it up. I know you would, but... <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's just leave it at that. Here's James Taylor. He's on the Parked Up said podcast. That. <laughs> no, but you didn't say we're powered by race fuels. Sorry. So say. And we're powered by race fuels. Hey, and it's great to welcome James Taylor onto the Parked Up podcast for the first time. Of course, James is the race director for the Repco Supercars Championship, making his big Parked Up debut. How are you? Good, mate. How are you going? Nice to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, there's a uh, there's a heap for us uh, to get through. There's been plenty going on in race director land all around the world, uh, and of course <laughs> a a giant new challenge for yourself this year uh, with the top top job in in supercars. But just for our uh, just for our listeners, just so everyone gets a bit of a sense about where you've come from and how this is uh how your role here has come about tell us a little bit about james taylor um well basically it's as ironically everyone thinks it's been a short journey but it's been a 30-year episode so i've been around motorsport ever since i was a kid second generation out of phil bond and i've traveled around worked Sandown, worked at winton basically i took any opportunity that raised came across to myself so i never said no to anything did five years with um, the old spherics with the V8 Ute series as their race director. And then whilst doing the Utes, was asked to move across to Porsche Career Cup. And I did that for five years. And at the same time as I was doing Porsche Career Cup Australia, I was also asked to go over and for about the same length of time, I did Porsche Career Cup Asia as their race director. And, and that linked in with the Thailand Super Series as their race director as well, as well as locally probably the last three or four years, the Bathurst 12 hour. And a cup, I did the first two Newcastle rounds as the clerk of the course when they launched Newcastle with supercars. So I've been around for a while. It seems like a short journey, but it's been about a 30 year saga. Now, JT, as I know you, uh, we've, we've done a lot of uh, driver training events together, uh, track days, um, as I sort of mentioned in the intro as well. Um, but now this year, Tim Schenken, he stepped aside finally. I mean, he, might, he must be about 95 years old, that guy. He's been around forever. Uh, but he's a wealth of experience and he's somebody that is very well respected in the industry. Um, you've learned a lot from him, but how are you feeling going into the year now he's not there? You're the guy making the calls. Um, not, we're not too phased because a lot of people forgot we did all the 2020 road trip. Um, Tim got stuck in Melbourne and couldn't get out before the closures. So myself and James Del Zoppo were the two Motorsport Australia personnel that did the whole road trip when, everyone, when all the teams escaped the whole 120 days or whatever it ended up being. So we had a bit of an example there. Personally, for me, it's not a great issue because of the geography. It's just a geography thing. It's no different to me what, what I do in Asia to what I do in Australia to what I do at the 12 hour. You just run everything the same. We're lucky that we have a really good team with us and that has been the same carry on and it's continuing on from Tim's. So we've got a good strong stewards base of six panel, a panel of six people with two good chaired stewards. And then on top of that, um, Craig Baird's still in town. So, and I'd worked with Bairdo to use his nickname. I'd worked with Bairdo at Porsche as well. And I'd done some work with Bairdo over in Asia. So Craig and I have got a good little we work quite well together. We understand what we're both setting out to achieve. 
And the new deputies coming in this year for supercars are quite strong as well. James Dezoppo is continuing on, but he's stepping up to a deputy. And Dave Morris coming in. He'll be the race director for DS2 S3, as well as a deputy for the supercars. So it's a good, strong team. Tim hasn't left the building as much as everyone thinks he has. He's a great source of revenue, resource. We can ring him. We can talk to him all the time. We see him in the MA office most days when he comes into when he's in at the office. So he hasn't left the building. He's still there as a mentor for us if we need him for any resources. So for me, the only challenge is now it's it's all me now. It's not mm-hmm. not just filling in for Tim anymore. As you said, Tim stepped aside. So it's just us, but it's it's not a game changer. It's just a new chapter. This is the way you gotta look at so- it. JT, tell our listeners what your role is. For people that don't know, what does a race director look after on a race weekend? What's their responsibilities? um, The main thing, it's basically you're there to provide a level of consistency and approach to how everything's controlled and policed. So we'll have, under the system we have, you're there as a figurehead. You work on a triangle-type pyramid. So you're at the top, underneath you is the two deputies and the stewards panel. So you're sort of there as a key ping. Yes, it may appear as everyone sort of critiqued Tim about. Tim just appeared to be the voice and the mm-hmm. vocal point of view. But the problem people don't understand that there was six people working underneath that and Tim was always involved in those discussions. So you want to control all the circuit activity to make sure it's running to time, safety cars, if we have to use a safety car, if we have to suspend a race, all the response mechanisms you've got to control, but you've also got to have a great understanding of the back of house obligations. So there might be contractual agreements, which no one on the keyboard in front of the TV can see. The TV requirements, like can Supercast TV stretch a session? What are the links? And it's all changed now since Foxtel and all those are doing live feeds. It's added an element of complexity to it all. But basically we're there for, as I said, controlling all circuit activity, once the circuit activity is done, you've got to have an overseeing and work together as a team to run through all the judicial components. And then <clears throat> the big thing, which we start about three weeks before every event, is we start feeding all the local officials to wherever we're going to make sure they're up to speed to what we accept and what we're anticipating when we arrive on site. So it's a quite a, I thought until I took over and was working with Tim, I thought it was an easy job, but it's basically four days a week. So it's a lot more involved and people understand or give appreciation for. Yeah, so it, uh, it sounds like a, a giant team task. And I guess uh, Tony and I see it happening in the background and Tony has his touch points with it and myself in the media have mine. I didn't actually realise how much of a role uh, the TV does play in what in what you guys do. And, that, and uh, you talk about the guys who are sit at home and watch it on TV, the, the fans or the, the people who sit on keyboards and um, <laughs> offer, their own, offer their own comments. And sometimes they can be fruity and sometimes make you uh, wonder if you actually even want to do this because they can be a bit disheartening from times. But, but like from a supercar's point of view, Nathan Prendergast has a direct line to yourself during the race because he needs to understand um, you know what's what's going on or or and and you need to give him feedback because just harking back to where i started it is a team effort and yep. uh, the tv is a giant component of what happens T- and tv is good and during an event which a lot of people don't understand when that pops up or when the commentators like if yourself or tony are doing commentary 
Craig Baird, Baird will feed into Nathan what we're about to do and he'll give him a bit of a background on it so he can give him a spiel of what we looked at. And also with the technology we have with the EVS system, we can send them a link of what we've reviewed. So that's what they can show into a reason to why we've done a penalty. But with TV wise, Nathan doesn't really talk to us or communicate to us. We communicate to Nathan and then we will then use him as a source. Like if we want to stretch a session, let's just use Sydney um, for that round where it rained and we did pretty much nothing, just a couple laps and that was about it. And we spoke to Nathan we'll, the whole time. You got Nathan's involved, you got Supercar and Benson involved in Sydney's circumstance with Shane Howard, who's now the new CEO. There's all these parties that are interested that we've got to discuss and see what a plan is on how we're going to strike this. Because you can't plan for the inevitable every time mm. you go into race control because everything's hypothetical. You, you've got a guide to what you want to do and then it's just got to best play with the guide. But Nathan doesn't interrupt a lot during the, a session that's live. We will generally feed him information or we'll, then if we need anything, we'll ask him for what his guidelines are to a termination policies to how long we can stretch it, et cetera. So JT, not- how, how much pressure is involved in making some of these calls? Um, you just mentioned all the, the stakeholders um, that are in your ear um, helping or maybe hindering a decision. It's not just, you know, you don't make a decision based on what's best for a car race. Um, you've got to, you know, take all these other factors into account as well. Uh, we don't, they don't hinder us as such. And we'll use, we'll keep using Sydney because it's a pretty common and consistent mm-hmm. reference with the rain. We, and this is where Tim's really good in the way he explains it to us. We do what we do. We control the sport. There's a show part of it, which is Nathan and all those boys and supercar events. What we do is we control the sport component. We decide what we want to do. And then you advise the other interested parties being Nathan gets involved in what it's involving. Shane representing supercars gets involved and then maybe Phil Shaw because he's there on the ground for supercar events. So the decisions are made. We make the decision, then we advise them of the decision. So Mm -hmm. we, we already know what we want to do. There might only be like a 30 second to one minute delay before it gets announced. But in that period of time, you've spoken to the other parties. So they don't hinder is probably the wrong wording. They don't hinder any decisions. We just advise them of them. And they, and as I said, we can talk to Nathan and see if we can stretch. So that's a communication thing on an operational side of things. But generally speaking, no one will hinder a process. Hmm. The process, the decisions are already been made. We're just advising them. And most of the time they'll, they'll give us, a preferred option on how we announce it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and then they've got other parties they need to get involved as well, sponsorship-wise. But they don't hinder us as such. They just work with us once we made the decision. Very, very complex. And uh, as, the, as the referee, uh, as the people running it, uh, typically not the most uh, popular people uh, from, <laughs> from time to time, from time oh. to time. Beto's got a great analogy. If you turn on a social media, which we all say we don't check it, but it's almost like a DNA human nature response. You've got to check social media at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Beto's got the best analogy. If you've got about 50-50 split, the decision was right. Yep. So it's a little bit more simple here. It's either red or blue. <laughs> Offshore, it can be multiple, but a 50-50 split, you'd be fine. You just don't, I don't know how you got to be. Well, Tony you can't make laughing. everyone happy, mate. No, and you just got to agree to disagree with some people and everyone's going to have an opinion nowadays. 
internet's changed the world and you just got to adjust to it. Uh, talking about uh, agreeing and disagreeing, one of uh, our uh, our very close friends, Michael Massey, has gone through the absolute ringer over yep. in in the states. Uh, sorry, over overseas, <clears throat> and after the after the Abu Dhabi um, saga unfolded. Now, <clears throat> you know, I know just sitting back on my couch watching the final round of the Formula One World Championship, it was it was pure awesome as a race fan to um, to see it all. Uh, play out as it did and even having our own we couldn't have an Australian fighting for the world title but we had an Australian in uh, you know <laughs> right in the coalface as part of it um, he's uh, he's absolutely uh, he's yeah he's he's copped it I guess over the past uh, past couple of days since uh, since losing that role as race director for Formula One are you going to replace him as race director in <laughs> Formula One um, no. Would you like to replace him <laughs> as race director at Formula One? I'd, I'd be more than happy to travel as far as an Asian-based country and stop it at that. <laughs> so tell us from your point of view what you feel about how that has all unplayed. Um, it's, I, I really can't comment on it. We have texted Michael a few bit, a few times. Like the team here in Australia is still very tight with Michael, and he always communicates back. We don't have a full understanding of what's happened behind the scenes, and. You just say it'd be similar to here with supercars. If someone has an grievance, they can work a back room like politics and to yep. achieve a goal. So we don't have a good understanding of what's happened behind the scenes. My main thing now is we all sit back and hope that they're actually going to look after Michael now because everyone has an impression and an interpretation of what's happened to Michael. You just now got to hope that they do one look after Michael. The whole process. Michael's phenomenal in what he's achieving. He's come from administration for a long time. He can write rules, read, understand the rules better than most people will understand or give him appreciation for. If he disappears, which I hope he never does, it'll be a sad sport to the sport in general, not globally, not just weekly. Um, yeah, they've got to look after him. As Eugene said in a Speed Cafe article at the end of last week, he'd be more than welcome back here because he's just a source. You've got to use him, but yeah, we probably never will know the full back of house story, but what was involved and what was being undertaken. Um, the Man, that would be is, interesting. That'd be yeah, so interesting to know. And the irony is we all sat down, a few of us in Australia, we did our FIA race director seminars a couple of weeks ago, and Michael was still heavily involved in that, and he was still heavily involved in the steward component. And then we all got the news last week. So you don't know. The same thing could happen to us here. You never know. Do you do you sit back and watch some of these races and put your race director cap on and go, I would have done it that way? Or, you know, maybe that's not the right call. I mean, what would you have done? Or do you think that Massey did everything he could in that scenario? Not having a full hundred percent knowledge of the FI the FIF one rules, because I haven't spent a lot of time reading them because it's not relevant for me. We probably would have tried to do the same and we have done. I've done it with Porsche, I've done it with supercars. We've didn't, the, the prime example is, oh, don't quote me on this, the 2019, 2018-12 hour, we had a KTM stop just out of the elbow right near the end. Um, and it was the same thing. You had people saying, you can't safety car. You can't take them gone. We've got to. If someone comes around the elbow and hits it, this is where you've got to take the emotion out of it and you just got yep. to work on the fact you've got. But, um, How difficult, though, would it be like to have uh, Roland Dane in your ear or Ryan Story 
um, you know, pleading their case when a situation like that comes up, you know, like to me, that is just we're, mental. We're, <laughs> we all know Roland is Roland and Roland is one of the characters in the sport and we have had an issue. I've had it firsthand. We used Townsville, the top 10 shootout last year where one of the MSR cars, I can't remember who was driving at the time, had a little issue coming into the last corner mm-hmm. and Shane was coming around. So we, what happened then is the way that the rules are written at the time and that's the way it unfolded. There's been changes since to correct that issue happening again. Roland has come up. We have a beautiful system in Australia with supercars where it's not a phone, it's not a radio. It's not a phone, it's not a radio. They've got to send us an an email in such they've got to send us an email so but we have mobile phones and most of us we all have turned our phones on silent yep. and we all just put them on the desk in race control you try not to go to them <laughs> they people do send you messages and generally speaking we'll ignore them until the end of a session i've texted you between sessions i know during a session you've texted me back yeah, that's probably because we weren't working at the time. It was probably some support <laughs> category. But yeah, we use the email system with supercars and James Del Zoppo sits there and the email that comes through, he reads, he gets our attention. We all read it during a session. Um, we can use, for instance, on that one again, another Sydney one, the safety car restart breach where we re- reversed the decision on the shell car at the start when he, when he came through and there was like a blip. As Gisbergen passed him, the actual shell car had slowed down for some reason. But because they sent us the email, we are then able to go and get further data and analyze it. And we had the opportunity then to reverse the issue. So oh, that was an interesting one, actually, because SVG came on the radio and said, no, 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 he slowed down. And that's why I went past him. And I thought it was actually really great that you guys did review it and reverse the decision because when you just looked on the outside, you just thought that. Shane had done the wrong thing, but it's not always as, as clear cut as that. And every decision or incident on circuit has got a slightly different angle to it, or it's, the, the rules sort of can't be written in a particular way where it's black and white. You know, there are shades of gray sometimes where you've got to use the, the experience like that you have yeah. or the team around you to try and make an educated decision. And you're not always going to make everybody happy, but obviously at the moment with this whole Massey thing and Formula One, um, it's very heightened, all, all that sort of stuff. And um, it was clear, and I was saying it before, with some of the operational side of things, Formula One have made changes to it. Um, it would have been nice to see Massey do another year with some of these changes um, before they hang him as an, or blame him for what happened at Abu Dhabi, which feels like they sort of haven't said, but looks like they have. Yeah, they haven't really come out and said who was at fault mm. in any discussion. They've just sort of said he's been removed. But it would be right. It's ironic. They've replaced Michael with two. And I've worked, I've been fortunate enough, I've worked with Eduardo at, at the WEC rounds and some Asian Royal Mon stuff over in Asia when I was over there with Porsche. So they've replaced Michael with two, brought back Herbie Blash, who was a wonderful bloke and one of Charlie's, Charlie's assistants and a great former knowledge. And then they're bringing that virtual race control in as well so you can more or less say replace michael but brought in another three maybe seven people so Mm. it would have been nice to see him perfect world he came in he had his deputies with him which were strong and then he got to work with the new system and see if it changed like once like they're already saying now they're not gonna 
I don't know if they're going to stop it. I haven't read the full details. Stop the, the teams talking to race control. Well, they're definitely not going to yeah, show I think they are. TV I think they are. Yeah. yeah. And we thought that was pretty brave when that came in last year. So it, but the problem is people don't give it credit to. All that's edited. TV mm. controls when they are going to release that audio into the mix. So there's a bit of manipulation on when things get allowed out, so to speak, on the vision. But it would have been nice to let him have a go. Be interested to see where he ends up or what he ends up doing. They say they're going to keep him within the FIA system. So many different portfolios on a weekend, which would have been easy to sort of split a few of those off and make it easier for him. But hopefully they look after him, as I said before, and keep him in the system. That didn't answer your question, did it? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're uh, talking like a uh, a someone from the judicial side of the sport. <laughs> so uh, that is uh, perfectly consistent uh, and no no problem at all. Do you think? Uh, so we did. You did mention the uh, some comments from Eugene about him potentially coming back to Australia and being uh, welcomed back. You know, would it be? foreseeable that he could be back involved in similar roles um do you feel that you might need to look for a new job no i i think the way the process works and we no one knows what's happening with michael so we'll be frank about that no one knows what michael wants to do so we don't know i totally agree with eugene if he wants to come back come back i think there's a lot of corporations as such would try and grab him this in some aspects you look at it, he'd be a perfect application, applicant to help the new races organization that's now taken over supercars yep. because of his background from supercars, his, his motorsport Australia slash cams background. He's got multifaceted. Like, I'd love to work with him. Ironically, a lot of people don't understand or no one knows my original opportunity to come into work back, way back when with the V8 Utes. Michael was one of the two people that called me to said we want you to do this job and that was back when he was back with cams at the time so as michael was involved in that so i've known him for a long time i'd be really good if he did come if he came back and he did want to come with us that we just added him into our team he might want to take a bit of a, a laxed response at the moment and just sit back but i don't know it's up to him i'll be fully supportive it's the whole world is you'd think i unless i make a mistake you think i'm pretty safe for at least 2022 at this stage we haven't started yet so now you're the no, perfect man for the job absolutely yeah, I, perfect we're not I'd, trying to push you out no way no way I'd, I'd love to work with mike mike's good value and his knowledge is unbelievable but i think it's all going to depend on michael and what the fia do with michael oh he certainly he, won't like, he won't find a problem getting a job in uh, in Australian motorsport, uh, ah. just just looking at the, the the reaction from from fans from inside the industry, um, you know he's uh, certainly got everyone's support here. No, he's he's done it. He needs respect, and we'll just wait and see what happens. James Taylor, we thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. We'll no doubt just uh, be firing you texts midway through supercar <laughs> sessions to uh, just to see what's going on. But um, actually, we won't do that. We know you've got an important job to do. We wish you all the best for for this year's championship, and uh, we can't wait to see the cars get back on track at Sydney Motorsport Park just in a couple of weeks' time. Beauty, thanks, Grant, and always welcome to get a phone call from you. Not so much from Tony, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Sam, mate. That's all right. See you. Cheers, mate. 
And we thank James Taylor for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Tony D, I didn't ask him, and I forgot to ask him when I was uh, setting up this uh, that very exclusive chat with the race director for Supercars. He, hey, it was, he was a good chat, though, wasn't it? He was calling you Mighty Mouse, and I didn't, I didn't bring it up. Why does he call you Mighty Mouse? I don't really know the reason behind it. Obviously, because I'm tiny and I'm mighty, and he thinks that I remind him of a mouse, a mighty mouse. <laughs> now, I'm not sure, but he has called me that for many, many years. Uh, maybe I've got a squeaky voice. I, I, maybe I like cheese. I don't know. I just mm. don't know what it is. I think um, all, all of those things combined. He's, he's a good lad, though, and uh, we used to have quite a lot of fun at the driver training events, which we'd travel all around, all around the country doing. Um, perfect guy for the job, though. You know, like some of the stuff he was talking about there that he's done in his history and his in his career. You know, working for Porsche, working um, you know, over in Asia. Um, he he's done it all basically. Bathurst twelve hour. He he's handled these pre- pressure situations before, so it's not going to be new to him. Um, so I don't think he'll he'll struggle in that role whatsoever. No. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. We might be talking about this in a year and talking about James Taylor making a controversial decision that that changed the outcome the championship yeah cool okay but probably not let's see uh all right so now we can wrap this up but before we mm. go we have to thank our uh, great long-time sponsor race fuels because they are the best they are. they are the absolute best of what they do uh they will be at sandown this weekend for the opening round of the victorian state series so look out for them there uh, and then, of course, they'll be up at City Motorsport Park supplying all the fuel to all the categories that are competing at City Motorsport Park for the opening round of the well, Repco Supercars Championship. They're at, they were at the AMRS mm. this weekend, just gone for a four-hour race. Yeah, for the that's a lot of fuel. How much fuel do you reckon they went through in that race? Oh, I'm not sure. They used I think there was only three cars, but. No, no, yeah, no. There four was four hours, long no, time. 20, 20 something cars in nah, the, certainly wasn't. entered the start of the race. I think there's about 18 cars, but. Uh, okay, yeah. it's pretty close to 20 and much different to yeah. four. Well, well, it's not 20, though, is it? Like, you know. Right. Anyway. Uh, that's, uh, and they, of course, it's a lot of fuel, elf, put it that way. They use fuel. that Elf Core 50 as well, which is uh, Elf's premium range of fuel that you can use. Uh, here in Australia. Um, okay, uh, so we've thanked uh, Race Fuels, and we should just give a very quick plug to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Oh, uh, not again. They, yeah, I know. Well, look, we've got to. It's part. They're part of the team. But they're competition. No, they're part of the team. We're working one and the same. Now, they should be plugging us as well. They should be plugging but us. Are they? Are they, though? They're plugging us. So they've, uh, they've just published their third episode. They spoke to uh, Supercar's... Uh, own Charlie Bullis, who is uh, quite big into her, um, in her into her motorsport. Uh, she works for Supercars in their digital team, and uh, is very encouraging of female participation, not just in the sport racing the cars, but uh, you know basically any female coming coming in. Um, and she's got a couple of programs that she's working on for girls in the sport. So. Uh, an excellent addition to this week's um, Girls on the Grid podcast uh, with Tanea and Priya, and you can catch it on all of your other channels. After you listen to Parked Up, you can go and listen mm, to Girls on the Grid. Of course, of course. Okay, well, 
next time we chat, Grant, we're going to be another week closer to the opening round of supercars. We mm -hmm. will have seen supercars on track at Winton. Every livery will have been exposed. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. Are, Are you, you going to Winton? Yeah, I'll go. You going to come? No, nah, I'm not going. No. Tony says no. Tony says no. I couldn't get the time off work. Dad just wouldn't let me go. I thought you were the boss. Nah. Nah. I'm not the boss at home. I'm not the boss at work. I'm just not the boss. So. Okay. All anyway. right. Well, I'll uh, I'll leave you to uh, be the deputy and uh, I'll continue on in my role, whatever that is. Okay. Um, senior executive of nothing. <laughs> uh, mate, have a great week and uh, we'll catch you real soon. Okay, mate. Cheers. You too. You've just listened to another Network Car production. 